Greetings, children all over the world. This is yours truly, Femi the Storyteller. And I'm back with another story. This story is called Ashore Mashika. From the Dancing Palm Tree and Other Nigerian Folk Tales. Retold by Barbara K. Walker. Woodcuts by Helen Siegel. Let us begin. Before, well, before I begin, wanted to let you know that, as always, I do not own the rights to this story. Now let us begin. Ashore Mashika. Long ago and far away, near a small village, there lived a kind-hearted farmer. His farm and his hut were right next to the footpath between his village and the big market town where the Oba, that is king, lived. Because of his generosity and his love for his neighbors, this farmer kept a basket of tasty foods hanging on the posts in front of his hut. As his friends and neighbors passed by, they were invited to take from the basket whatever they wanted of the foods they found there. Baked yams or baked corn, perhaps, or, or fresh fruit. And the farmer was well-loved in turn by all the people in that part of the country. For all at one time or another had feasted from his basket. As they passed his farm, they would call out in greeting, giving him the name Ashurimashika, which means the man who always does good and never does evil. In answer to the greeting, Ashurimashika would look up from hoeing his yams or tending his beans. There is something in the basket for you, he would call. Please reach in and help yourself. At length, however, a mean-minded man in the village became jealous of Ashore Mashika's popularity. One day, this man determined to cause such grave trouble for Ashore Mashika that none of the villagers would like him or seek out his company. Indeed, the villagers would come to hate his very name. Capturing a poisonous snake, this man hid it in a bag and began to walk along the footpath toward Ashurimashika's hut. As was the custom, he called out a greeting to Ashurimashika, and the kind farmer answered cheerfully, There is some food in the basket for you, neighbor. Please reach in and help yourself. Taking advantage of his opportunity, the man dropped the poisonous snake into the basket on the pretense 
of reaching in for something good to eat. Then he walked slowly along the footpath toward the market town. A few rods farther along the path, he met the village bellman coming with a message from the king. The two greeted each other and then the bellman went on toward the village. Eager to see what would happen, the mean-minded man stepped aside into some bushes for a moment or two and then walked quietly back toward Ashurimashika's farm. Yes, he heard the bellman greet Ashurimashika and he heard Ashurimashika invite the bellman to help himself to whatever was in the basket. In a moment, there was a pained cry from the bellman. And both Ashurimashika and the mean-minded villager ran toward the sound. On the ground near the post slumped the bellman, clutching his wrist and moaning in anguish. And Ashurimashika came up just in time to see the snake slither off into the brush. Oh, my dear Ashurimashika, said the villager reproachfully. Why did you do it? Do what? Asked the puzzled farmer, staring at the man. Why did you put a snake in your basket? We all trusted you. How can we ever trust you again? And the villagers seemed truly sorrowful. The more Ashurimashika protested his innocence, the more the villager reproached him. And Ashurimashika, knowing full well the danger of his position, sighed in despair. The two carried the bellman to his home in the village and the doctors and magicians were called. But despite their efforts, the bellman died of the snake's bite. As for Ashurimashika, what could he do? No matter how much the villagers wanted to believe in his innocence, there was still the evidence of the crime. The bellman had been invited by Shorimashika to put his hand into the basket and had immediately been bitten by the snake. Who but Ashurimashika would put anything into the basket? And if witnesses were needed, there were two. The dead bellman with the marks of the snake's fangs in his wrists and the man from the village who had been near Ashurimashika's house when the bellman was bitten. Shortly, Ashurimashika was thrown into prison for his crime. As chance would have it, the king's youngest daughter was to be married the following week. And in the midst of preparations for the wedding, the king neglected to order Ashurimashika's execution. 
The evening before the wedding, Ashurimashika was sitting alone in his cell when there was when there came a strange hiss sound along the corridor, and into Ashurimashika's cell slithered the same snake which had bitten the bellman. Coming close to Ashurimashika, it spat out a small packet at his feet. Then it hissed a message which stirred hope in the farmer's heart. The snake, knowing full well that the villager, not Ashurimashika, was guilty of the bellman's death, planned to win Ashurimashika's release from prison by a curious means. He would bite the king's youngest daughter that night on the eve of a wedding day, and she would appear to die. Ashurimashika would offer to bring back the life of the princess in return for his own release from prison. The snake told the farmer that the powder in the packet he had brought would surely heal the princess if it could be dissolved in the blood of a murderer and the resulting potion be applied to the snake bite. As for the murderer, he could depend upon the evil-minded villager who had brought blame unto Ashurimashika for the death of the bellman, but who was in truth guilty of the death himself. Ashurimashika gratefully accepted the plan offered by the snake, and the snake left the cell. A short time afterwards, there was a great weeping and wailing in the streets of the market town. In the midst of the merrymaking, the king's youngest daughter had been bitten by a deadly snake and she had been carried fainting to her bed. The next morning, a steady procession of doctors and magicians tried all the potions and spells at their command, but no remedy could bring the princess back to life. Sadly, the king called a halt to the wedding preparations and arranged instead for his daughter's funeral. Meanwhile, Ashurimashika had been visited by several of his friends, and to each of them in turn, the farmer had said, he could bring the princess back to life if he were permitted to try his special medicine. His words took wing and came quickly to the ear of the king. Ashurimashika was bidden to appear before the king and make good the claim he had made. For his part, the king promised that the princess's cure would bring Ashurimashika's release from prison. Learning that the potion required the blood of a murderer, the king ordered that the blood be drawn from the farmer, since he had been 
imprisoned for murder of the bellman. Half the packet of magical powder was added to a small calabash of Ashore Mashika's blood and the medicine was applied to the wound. The princess stirred not at all. Aha! exclaimed the king. Your claim was false, was it not? Sire, said Ashore Mashika, I am not a murderer. Let us seek the blood of a murderer. That village man who was at hand when the bellman died. The king, anxious above all for the recovery of his daughter, sent for the evil-minded villager and required of him blood for the princess's cure. The blood was drawn Dissolving the rest of the powder in the villager's blood, Ashorimashika applied the medicine to the snake bite on the princess's wrist. Within a moment, the princess sighed, stretched, and wandered to find herself in bed. The villager, knowing not at all why he had been chosen to furnish blood for the miraculous cure, found himself accused of the crime which he had indeed committed, revealed only through the magic killing. In due course, he made a full confession and met his death as a murderer. As for our Shorimashika, he was released from prison and restored to his old life in the hut along the footpath. Man, oh man, what a story. Ashore Mashika. I don't know about you, but I love this story. I certainly loved it. Um, as I mentioned before, this particular book here, The Dancing Palm Tree and Other Nigerian Folktales, consists of stories that, in my opinion, get better and better and better and more interesting as I go. We have quite a few more stories in this book here, and I just know you'll love it. I know you've loved the first, what, two stories that I've read here, and um, it gets better. Trust me, it gets better. Just stay tuned. Once again, this is Femi, the storyteller, signing off. Love you all. Have a good evening. Bye for now.